Welcome to the mini break, your daily roundup of the biggest storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, March 5th, 2019, and this is the second episode of the mini break podcast. And joining me as a co-host to recap all of Monday's action is my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the guy who just gave up Reese's peanut butter cups to get ready for Vegas, <laughs> Alexander Scott Gruskin. Welcome to the mini break podcast. I honestly expected you to say Maxwell LeBauer Rothman in that slot. I'm so used to seeing, and since you're too humble to introduce yourself, I'm happy to say Maxwell LeBauer. Thank you, as always, for having me on the show. Of course, of course. Now, I, I think, you know, your tendency to go long is something that I'm going to make up for on this podcast because— Like Jimmy Johnson, go long. Uh, I did. <laughs> oh, God. And, <laughs> and the bad puns are coming in. Westhoff hit us with that. So I'm going to try and keep this. As we said last time, these podcasts are supposed to be short, sweet, to the point. We are recapping all of the events from what should be yesterday, uh, but we are cheating this week. So we are going to be recapping some of the events from the last few weeks that got lost in our GSP that we recorded, our hour and a half GSP that was beautiful and unfortunately (laughs) could not be released. Um, So we are going to recap today uh, a few of the tournaments, including Sophia, the Rio tournament and the New York Open and, and talking about some of the biggest storylines from those tournaments. Can I add something real quick before we begin? Sure. I, I just want to say part of the reason we're going back cheating, as you mentioned, recapping, we want to help set the scene for Indian Wells. We know, you know, these matches in February, all of these tournaments, there's so many 250, 500 level events. I think you said in the 92nd episode that got lost, it was what, like, 10 events in February, something crazy like that, maybe eight, you know, minimum of eight at the ATP level. We're not even talking about guys who had challenger success today. We'll hit that later in the week, but these are the guys to watch as you're watching the Sunshine Double, I believe it's called, Indian Wells, Miami. A lot of guys have stepped up, begun to differentiate themselves from the rest of the field, and given the state of transition we seem to be in on the ATP side, particularly this year, you know, February, they're fascinating results, and that's why we want to cover them now. Yes, and you know we did talk about some of these guys on the episode yesterday, but uh, we feel like they need extra attention considering their results in these tournaments. So we are going to start in chronological order, going back to Sophia and looking at the results there. Um, obviously, this was a great tournament for one of your favorites, Daniil Medvedev. Uh, you know, taking the title here. Uh, kind of give us your, your thoughts. What do you think after seeing this, your your thoughts on Daniil moving forward into Indian Wells? Well, we mentioned this on yesterday's podcast when we were talking about Stefano Tsitsipas in terms of him differentiating himself from the rest of this huge crop of young, talented players on the ATP side. And I think another guy you have to turn to if you're saying who differentiated themselves in uh, February, Daniil Medvedev. You know, on the year, he's 14-4. and four. He won this title in Sofia. He knocks out Monfils, who you said yesterday, and we've talked about, is just has an incredible form right now. He beats Klezan. He beats Haas in three sets. He beat Fuksovics. And you're looking at some of the stats from this match. I mean, he's winning 70% of his first serve points, 59% of his second serve points. And those are the numbers you seem to be seeing constantly uh, throughout his match. He does that against Monfils. Feast. He does that against Fuksovics. I, I mean, he has played outstanding tennis. Now, I'm not going to give you the full take because we've talked about his game at length before, but the thing that is really sticking out to me from his run uh, in February 1, indoor hard courts, 
He's going to be so hard to beat uh, throughout the rest of his career. The guy is too fast, can hit the ball too hard. You know, he's six six. You talked about this again yesterday. I'm sorry to keep plugging this, but it's a new pod, so we're trying to get you to listen. We're excited. Um, yeah, exactly. Another guy, he's six six. The huge serve is there. He's got weapons from any part of the court. He loves, you know, standing out wide on the deuce side and playing a, a serve plus backhand and, you know, moving you across the court. He's comfortable moving forward. There's not a lot he can't do, Rothman. Absolutely, and I think uh, one of the things that I've liked a lot about his game and also Pass is just their maturity, their, their shot selection on court. Uh, looking at another stat from his match against Monfils, who has been playing amazing tennis, and which is why I like to bring this up, is that he saved six of seven break points against Monfils in this match. That's an 86% uh, break point saving percentage, and that's just fantastic to be able to do that in a match against a guy who's playing such high quality tennis. And he, you know, actually, this is a match. He only served 51%. Uh, and so for Medvedev to not be serving, you know, at his peak and still be able to, to beat a guy who's playing, you know, potentially some of his best tennis in a long time uh, just showcases how good he's been playing. Well, different podcast, but breakpoint percentage saved. Hey, great shot. It was nice phrasing there. My yeah. other thing I, w- I would mention about Medvedev that I found most impressive about his run, you talked about maturity. He follows up his run in Sofia, making the semifinals the next week at an ATP 500 in Rotterdam. In that event, takes out Chardy first round, takes out Verdasco second round, takes out Joe Wilfred Songa, who had won an event the week before as well, 6-4, 6-2, ends up losing to Monfils in three sets in a, in a tight match. But... You know, the biggest thing everyone's going to keep talking about is when are one of these guys going to break through at a Grand Slam? And when you're seeing uh, Daniil Medvedev win, what is it, seven uh, matches in two weeks and then lose the eighth in a third set? He's shown he can keep his form up over two weeks. And, you know, he hasn't had a lot of success on the clay thus far in his pro career. But, you know, there's a whole nother hardcourt season waiting for him in July, August, September, and it's just going to be exciting to see not only if he can stick in the top 20 this year, but maybe even make that breakthrough to the top 10. Definitely, and you know, I think he's got a, a very great opportunity to join Poss in that top 10. Just a few other notable results from this tournament before we move on. Uh, you know, Kiechenov losing first round. I mean, had the bye, but still losing first round of this tournament. Just a, another bad result for him. A, a rough start to this year. Um, and then another result, uh, Vavrinka also losing first round of this tournament. You know, had some success later on, but uh, not a great first round loss for him. Uh, any other thoughts before we move on to our next tournament? Well, you, you kind of hedged your bet there when you talked about Orenka. <laughs> I, I think it's similar. You you mentioned this yesterday. I'm sorry. I swear that'll be the last time I do that. About It won't be, but um, that's okay. Medvedev, Medvedev lost first round in Acapulco, and you kind of said he was a loser for the weekend. Similar to how I didn't say it was fair to say that about Medvedev, given all the success he had, what Rorinka made Sa- the final of the tournament. Th- yeah, exactly. That's that. That would be my only other thought on that. And then you look at this draw. I mean, Monfils continued success. We saw it in Sofia. I think wh- one of the other things I noticed. It's just again. Any guy can win on any given week. Look at the semifinals in this tournament. Berrettini versus Fuksovics, Medvedev versus Monfils. Like, no one is drawing up these 
these predictions perfectly. It really is anyone's game that the disparity between the number 70th ranked player and the number 20th ranked player, which are, these are the guys getting into this event, has never been, or maybe it has been and we're just clouded by our youth, but the, the gap is really, really small between these players. Yeah, as you said, the gap is small and, and is just as small between a lot of the guys uh, in this next tournament, the New York Open. If you looked at the final of this tournament, you have Riley Opelka beating Braden Schnur in a very tight match. It's a 6 1 6 7 7 6. And uh, just to, to recap Opelka's run, and I know this is a guy that you have a lot of thoughts on, so let me set the scene and then I'll, I'll let you give, uh, give your take on how he's been doing. But starting in the first round, you had Opelka beating Adrian Manorino 2 6 7 6 6 4, then taking on Eastamine beating him 6-7-7-6, and then a 1-0 retirement in the third set. He beats Guillermo Garcia Lopez 3-4, and four, takes down big boy Johnny Isner 6-7-7-6-7-6. Everyone saw that score coming. And then, of course, he takes down the guy that I just had the pleasure of interviewing, Braden Schnur, 6-1-6-7-7-6. A great tournament for him. I think a lot of people were you know, waiting for him to have this breakthrough. Give us your thoughts. Well, we mentioned this uh, on that podcast, but Craig O'Shaughnessy wrote an article uh, for the ATP website about Opelka and his aces per match and how I think <laughs> it's over the past 12 months he's averaged 27 aces per match and his career rate right now is at 20 aces, uh, maybe a little bit over per match, and that's higher than any other player in ATP history. And what was one of the things we talked about going into the season? His serve is not nearly as good as it's going to be moving forward. And you look at some of the percentages from his run in New York, you know, in the Manorino match, first round, he plays great, wins 67% or makes 67% of his first serves, 24 aces, wins 82% of his first serve points, but he only wins 40% of his second serve points. Now you move into the Isner match. This is where it's elite stuff from him. Hits 125 first serves in the match. Oh, nope. Sorry. I was looking at Isner. Still elite stuff from Opa. Pelka hits 116 first serves in this match, makes 75% of them, wins 91% of his first serve points, 76% of his second serve points, and then against Schnur, I mean, it makes 74% of his first serves, 88% of his first serve points he wins, 58% of his second serve points. I mean, the guy is starting to figure things out. He knows I am best hitting inside-out forehands or forehands down the line, backhands down the line. He's still not great when he's on the run, but what was it? When he's uh, the set point against Isner in the second set, he hits a forehand flick passing shot on the run. It was just so unbel- athletic. Yeah, we've never seen that sort of—I mean, sure, there have been glimpses, but I feel like for Opelka, given that he's so young and that we've seen him do this a couple of times now in his pro career, you know, he ended 2018 so well with back-to-back challenger titles. He's got all of these skills. He's got— you know, all of these weapons at his disposal. He's still trying to figure out his game, but Rothman, here's my hot take for you for this podcast. Riley Opelka is the American, uh, the young American best position to win a Grand Slam in the future. Woo! I, I think I need to see a, a little more development from him. I mean, it, it sucks because, and it, it's funny, I'm noticing we're talking at a, you know, abnormally fast paced because we want to get everything that we want to say in before this 25 <laughs> minutes is up. Uh, and, and we did spend a long time talking about Opelka in the lost GSP, but uh, just my quick takes. I think he's a little overly aggressive on the returns. Uh, I think he needs to put himself in more games and, and I've got a few statistics coming for you to, to kind of make that case. Um, 
And, and generally, I think he needs to trust himself a little bit more from the baseline. I know he needs to be aggressive because he's not going to be the guy out grinding people. But I think still at times his shot selection is spotty. Uh, just to pinpoint, you know, that what I was saying about his returns. Um, his first serve return percentage is 19%. That yeah, that's is, not good. That is trash. That is overall <laughs> his overall first serve return percentage. His return games one percentage is 8.3% compared yeah, to a guy like... It's not very good. It, it's bad. Um, so I, I think he's got a lot of work to do there. And if and in his match against Isner, I mean, this is just wild. Uh, first serve return points one, 16%. I mean, uh, that is That's, just... It's just it. rough. Um, well, but John Isner's the exception, right? And then the, the flip side of that, though, is... 24 okay, aces wanna... against Manorino, 32 against Istaman, 14 against Garcia Lopa, 43 against both Isner and Schnur. And, yep. He's able to take risks because he is holding now at a it, – it's almost as sure – uh, as close to a sure thing as you can get in tennis because he is serving that well. And you're right. He still is a little bit risky, but I think him learning to take those chances will be beneficial for him long term. And that's why right now I'm so excited about how his game looks. And it's a pattern of success, right? It's not just like when Fritz made that Memphis final a few years ago. It was like, oh my God, who's this Taylor Fritz guy? And of course we knew him because we follow the game, but that's kind of a breakthrough moment. For Opelka, this is, you know, I I won two challengers. Unfortunately, I had mono last summer, but I was on the precipice of the top 100 before that. I have a breakthrough at the U.S. Open beating John Isner. Now I'm playing 250 events, getting in on my own merit, and it's a weaker draw in New York. That's certainly true. But he won the tournament. Like, what more can you ask of him? You're right. I I think that he is a guy that we are going to continue to see success for. uh, And I think Indian Wells is a great opportunity for him to continue to showcase you know, what he's got and the improvement he's made. But uh, unless you have any more thoughts, I do want to move on to our last tournament. No, I'm stubborn about this one. It's just because I really, you know, I said it in the Ben Rothenberg pod we did in December about the next-gen tiers, and I said Opelka and Felix Ogier-Alassim, because they both ended the year injured, I'm not, I wasn't going to put them in tier two, you know, right below Alex Virev, who was my only tier one guy at the time. But given what we've seen from both of them in early 2019, I, I, I'm 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 very excited. I guess I just I feel like their talent is starting to bear itself out, and it's fun to watch. Absolutely, and look, we we've got another young guy who's shown a lot of talent, a lot of promise coming up, and that is FAA Felix Ogier Alassim, and he brings us to our next tournament, which is the Rio can, Open. Can I say two quick things about the New York Open? I'm sorry. I know we're trying to move along fast. I just, just real gave quick. Your, I just gave your opportunity for last. No, I know. I, I know. I, I fumbled because I'm so passionate about Opel. All right, but, you got oh, 60 seconds. Go. So my first thing I would say is Braden Schnur. I know you just interviewed him, and to all of our listeners, go check that out on our Cracked Interviews feed because Max oh, gets some really great answers from him. We talked about some of the things we saw from him, uh, some of the trends at New York, and I think the big things were, man, is he aggressive with his first ball? He can hit a forehand as hard as any player. It's one of the elite skills, the serve plus forehand. He moves pretty well for a guy his size. One thing we mentioned, and you really questioned him on this in the pod, he loves <laughs> to move forward. He's really trying to move forward 
forward, assert his will, keep his opponents uncomfortable. And he mentioned in that pot against a guy like Lorenzi, who was a baseline grinder, he was really forced uh, to be uh, put in uncomfortable positions. So he had to slice, he had to make Lorenzi uncomfortable. And he just showed skills. Not only is it encouraging for development of guys who went to college to see him have that success at now at, I think, 106, but he's just a really skilled player. And then the other thing, Mackie McDonald, we'll talk about him later on, but in New York, even though he didn't win first round against Istman, he's got ATP skills. I think that was 60 seconds. It was a little bit over, but I'll give it to you. I will continue to add on to the Schnur train just because I do feel like we needed to bring him up. Um, great tournament for him. He beats Stevie Johnson. He beats Paolo Renzi, and he beats Sam Querrey. Great tournament for him, and he was a pleasure to interview. Uh, just had to throw that in there. But let's move on to our last tournament, the Rio ATP 500, where Felix auger makes his first ATP 500 final and is the youngest player to ever do that. Uh, not only that, he is the youngest player to have won an ATP Tour match. Uh, so, you know, another accolade to add to his repertoire. Um, this was, you know, a tournament with some interesting results all around. You know, Felix goes through this tournament beating Fabio Fonini in the first round, which is a great win. Christian Guerin, then he beats Munar, then Pablo Cuevas, and then does lose in the final to Laszlo Gier. Um, Alex, thoughts on FAA and, and moving forward into Indian Wells? Uh, it pains me when you say a Brad Gilbert nickname that's going to stick, but it really is going to stick because it's FAA, one, it's catchy, it's quick, It's I, I get it. it. It makes a lot of sense, and it kind of talking you know that aerodynamic aspect of his game okay that's a huge stretch but you know I, I hate doing this and it sounds like I'm on a rocking chair and that I know it all because I really don't but if you followed you know the junior circuit closely if you followed uh, second Serbs blog listing the top prospects under 21 which he does twice a year if you followed Colette Lewis FAA is not a new name to you right this is a former highly touted junior player this is you know, a guy we've seen flashes of. You mentioned a stat before. Uh, he was the youngest player ever to win an ATP match. So we know who this guy is. And before now, you know, the flashes of talent were there, but he couldn't put full matches together. There were still strings of errors. He was, you know, he can hit through a forehand as well as anyone, but he would miss it a little too often. And now you're starting to see... Uh oh, like this guy knows how to pick his spots. He knows how to use his serve to set up the serve plus one. His game on clay is just gorgeous. And he's the real deal. There, I, I keep harping on this point. There is a space in 2019 for young players on the ATP tour to make a move in 250s, in 500s, when they get that opportunity. And we've seen it, Nori, McDonald, uh, Zverev, Kyrgios and Acapulco. And I know that's not really new. Zverev's not a new guy, but Tiafo and Opelka and Fritz and Yacht. You can go FAA, Shapovalov, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, on and on and on. And it's just so refreshing to see these guys have that sort of success because FAA deserve to be in that final. Yeah, you're you're 100% right. And you know, just a statistic for you. He is the first member of the 2000s to have broken the top 100, and, and he, he did that a I think first bit ago. player from 2000 to make an ATP Finals. Uh, first player from 2000 well, to do everything. Yes, he's the first player from 2000 to do everything. <laughs> but the other, the, the people who followed him, who were the first of their year to break the top 100 were uh, the 94, Luca Pui, 95, Nick Kyrgios, 96, Borna Chorch, 97, Alexander Zverev, 98, Francis Tiafo, and 99, Denis Shapovalov. So he's got great company as far as, you know, the success that he's had at such a young age. And uh, I think it's, you know, only a matter of time before he 
makes it even further and continues to to make it into ATP finals. But can I ask, what do you think about his second serve? Because right, that's can... the in the match he played. Sorry for cutting you off. In the match he played against not Jerry. Uh, oh my God, another young guy. I'll, I'll remember his name as I go on. What was, was match... How did you pronounce his name? Nicolas Jerry Jari Jari. Yeah, um, yeah I, I definitely hey, did that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he just oh Christian Garen, that's who it was. Let's go. I think there were like eleven breaks in the match, and just you got to keep in mind when you're watching him this year. He is still what eighteen, nineteen. He he's not physically developed yet, but that's why I'm so high on his upside because the way he snaps off balls is just ridiculous. But like, I guess getting back to my question to you, Rothman. His game is still a little bit susceptible to being attacked, right? Because he is a little bit, you know, sometimes he can float balls. Sometimes he tries to swing a little too early. I mean, look, he's still young. I think at times he, he makes some, you know, poor shot selection. But overall, he's ridiculously athletic. I don't think that he's the kind of guy that's going to get pushed around the court too much. He has, you know, great groundies. I'm not that worried about him. But look, we're at the 20-minute mark. I just want to bring up one last point from this tournament. Seven of the eight seeds lost in the first round of this tournament, including Dominic Team, uh, Marco Cecinato, who's had a rough start to this year, uh, and Nicholas Jari, as as you said. <laughs> um, so, you know, a super interesting tournament here. Uh, and, you know, clearly shows that uh, it, it was a, a tournament to be dominated by the youngins with FAA making the final. But... We have a gimmick for this. Wait, can I give two last thoughts on Delray? Or do you want to save it for another day? I should have bought... Oh, I think we got to save Delray because we are approaching the 20-minute mark. And we have a fun segment coming up. You're the host. You call the shots. We will be bringing this to you every Tuesday. It is our Twitter Tuesday segment. Westoff, give us the Twitter Tuesday segment sound effect, please. So every Tuesday, we are going to bring to you our favorite tweets from the tennis world that we saw and just kind of talk about them. Because in the last week, I mean, you should have seen Alex and I's texting today. It was just tweet (laughs) after tweet after tweet. Um, And I think there's one that we have to start with. And and Alex, I'll I'll let you bring up the first one. Well, so, of course, we talked yesterday and I thought I was going to stop plugging, but of course I went back on my word about <laughs> Stefano Tsitsipas' personality and how part of part of the great thing about this group of young guys is there's so many different – you've got Shapoval of the, rap, the rapper. You've got Alex Vera of the pretty boy. You've got Tsitsipas. Who knows what he's doing? You've got Kachanov, Thor Jr., just so many great uh, guys who are so captivating and really have a, uh, the potential to help grow our sport. And, of course, Stefano Tsitsipas – I mean, this guy is unique. That's just some of the things he said. And he had a Twitter exchange today with Marty Fish where it started off with this tweet from Tsitsipas plugging an Adidas tennis thing. Success isn't measured by money or power or social rank. Success is measured by your discipline and inner peace. Hashtag first of all, here to create. Um, first of all, I don't know if I believe him. But anyways, <laughs> well, keep, much keep like you, Marty Fish also didn't believe him in trying to give him some of his wisdom from his years on tour. Marty Fish goes, no, no, it's measured by money and ranking. Definitely ranking Two uh, <laughs> crying emoji faces. I can't believe I just said that out loud. And then a hashtag congrats on top 10. So at this point of the Twitter, it's not even a beef, but just exchange. 
Marty Fish is winning, right? Like to call him out on the money in the ranking, it's like, all right, listen, young man, you don't it's know a great what. Response. Yeah, get off the weed. Uh, you know, whatever you're doing <laughs> in Greece. Enough. I mean, he's that's a false insinuation. I hope you know. Don't aggregate that because that's not. No, true. it's just the Greek air. <laughs> he's got a th- Athens in his blood. Um, but to which Stefano Tsitsipas, to his credit, claps back beautifully, and he says, "Marty Fish, length of match socks have all have also a big impact to that." Thank you. And, of course, to those who don't know, Marty Fish, known for wearing ankle ankle socks during matches. Tsitsipas, you are not good at this Twitter thing. But, again, we're seeing a glimpse of talent from all of these young guys. That was a great (laughs) response. By far, my favorite exchange of the day. Is Tsitsipas number one on the Twitter rankings right now? I think it's got to be curious. I mean, curious is a troll. I, I hate <laughs> this topic so much. Ben Rothenberg is my favorite just because of the the passion of the people who dislike him. It's hilarious. It's like, get over it. Like, why are you hating this man so much? Like, he's sharing his opinion. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> Twitter I, I Tuesday, the, baby. Twitter Tuesday is here. If if you have nothing else to say about CC Pass, I have a I have a tweet that I want to bring up because we are approaching our twenty five minute mark. Are you yeah, cool go with that? For it. Uh, I mean, CC Pass is a fool. Tennis Twitter in general, it's active. You can find Dang. anything you want from lists of players in and out to ridiculous takes about uh, Paul Pierre Uzerbert and just from uh, all things in between. Yeah, that was a nice little accent you had there. Good job, Albert. Yeah. Um, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... <laughs> oh, God. Let's stop you before you go any further. Fucking um, 12, didn't lose. Uh, yeah, here, <laughs> it is, here it is. So moving on, uh, we're going to change direction a little bit to college tennis. This is from Coach Manny Diaz. He tweeted, We apologize for our lack of video streaming these past couple of matches. Our play site cameras were struck by lightning. We're in the process of replacing them soon and hope to be back soon. Dude, what? <laughs> struck by lightning? Well, stuff. can I get a lightning strike sound effect? I mean, that's a story. And, like, credit to Coach Diaz because college tennis this year, one of the dirty secrets is the live streaming, given that it's 2019, has not been as good as it should be. And since the NCAA Elite Eight, everything moved toward Orlando. They're going to need PlaySight to be in full effect by that time. You know, good on Coach Diaz for saying, look, we know there's a problem right now, and I guess a lightning strike isn't the problem I'm talking about, but just addressing it, saying we want our fans to be able to watch matches, you know, no matter the circumstances. I just appreciate him making a point to do that. I wish every coach would do that. Of course. I mean, getting these kind of updates and, and this kind of insight is everything a tennis fan wants. And so, you know, thank you, Coach Manny. Diaz, also, for, if for they're that. ever going to have a turning point in your season, it's when lightning hits the cameras. And you're like, all right, guys, time right. to wake up. Like, we are – We Georgia was not ranked in the top 50 for the first time maybe ever. And it's like, all right, time time to get our shit together. Here we go. <laughs> all right, well, I've got one last tweet for us as our time is coming to a close. Uh, this is an entry list update tweet uh this is for indian wells and this is a you know a a little sneak peek into our indian wells mini break pod coming up on thursday uh update chung is officially out of the tournament uh and you know we'll we'll kind of give our takes on that on our thursday pod in we've got avashka who will be playing and golbis as well who will be joining in uh i botched this no it's totally fine i would say the one big thing uh, Hyun Chung just I went all in on that take as well of him being good and 
now he keeps withdrawing from events. He's got to defend, what, a quarterfinal here, a semifinal, and he's going to lose all... It might even be a semifinal, right? He lost to Federer again. It's like, that's not good. This is That's something you should be aware of. I mean, this is the, the injury-prone Chung that, that we've talked about. Although you have repeatedly said you think that he could win a, a Grand Slam. So... He's what, 22, 23? I'm not too yeah. worried yet. I, I Keep faith. All right, fair enough. Well, look, we have extended our stay. Wait, no, by... I get one more. I, I get one. I, you cut me off, or I cut you <laughs> off yesterday. I get to cut you off today. It's since it's Tennis Twitter Tuesday. Well, I, you mean we're I not going to talk about? Off. I'm we're not going to talk about. The, get one more. Oh my god! See, I'm going to make a fool of myself because I just the name of his girlfriend is slipping from me right now. But the Monfils video, when, uh, when um, oh my gosh, when he gets told to shut the f- up, like that. That's yeah. amazing. That's the Twitter I mean, content I need to see. I mean, he did like snap her, you know, eye cover on her face. That hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was great. And then what? They had a video earlier in the week where Federer popped in. You know, they was it was her and Monfils again, and just Roger Federer probably goes, "Hello, everyone. How are you doing?" And just like that's when tennis Twitter's at its best. That those sort of clips. And given that you know all of these ATP rules are now breaking, they're uh, really coming after tennis Twitter. Enjoy this fleeting footage. I guess why you can before the ATP takes it down. Yeah, and, and we will continue to bitch and moan about that new rule because, as we've said multiple times, it is ridiculous that they are limiting our content that we're able to post and see on social media. But that is going to be the end of our mini break for today. You know, Alex, thank you for joining us. And, you know, as we said, we are cheating this week. So Alex will be taking over the host position tomorrow. Alina uh, Svitolina. Svitolina. I can't believe I forgot that name. That is go check out her Twitter like- account because the video is hilarious. <laughs> okay. Well, now I'm officially going to close. Alex, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I know you're going to take over the host tomorrow and uh, look forward to tomorrow's pod. Uh, always looking forward to it Rothman shout out to the producers shout out to you and as we like to end this that's the break that's the break